let's get on to today. Uh, Catherine was telling us we're in that wee moment, that wee 10 days. Uh, if you've had your books, I brought my books, but it's okay. Um, the, the 10 days between Ascension and Pentecost, when Jesus specifically told the disciples to wait, wait for something. And I, I began to wonder about Jesus as well waiting. Do you remember from his birth and then 12 years of age at the temple, and then you don't hear anything until he's about 30? And as an adult, 12, the temple thing was a sort of coming of age, but obviously at 12, you're still not terribly grown up. But in the Jewish world, you're beginning to enter adulthood. And Jesus waiting, waiting, waiting for that prompting of the Spirit to say, it's time to begin ministry. And then as he began his ministry, if you get in those maps that show his journeys around, of coming to Jerusalem for festivals and then leaving again, and was he waiting all the time for the prompting of the Spirit as to when do I make my, the entrance into Jerusalem that will set in motion the events that will lead to death and then to resurrection? And here we are. All those things have been prompted by the Spirit. Jesus has responded to them. He's out the other end of those. He's gathered his disciples. He has ascended to heaven. And he's told them, now wait. Now, historically, we are, of course, nearly 2,000 years on from being told to wait. But yet, in some real ways, we're still waiting. Waiting for more of the power of God. Waiting for the prompting of the Spirit on his church. Uh, waiting to see how we respond to the changing world that we're living in. Because it, it's all in movement all around us. And I wonder as well, is God waiting? Is he waiting? Waiting for his family, waiting for his sons and daughters, waiting for us to respond again, to reach out and cry out and say, Lord, come and help us. So I think today's story, and it is the same story as last week, I was really quite uh, moved by what Laura was saying last week. So I want to steal a couple of wee things from her and concentrate on those this week. So let me just read you a wee bit of this from John chapter 4. Now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Although in fact it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. So Jesus, that's who he is. So Jesus left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. Apologies if you don't like a map. I love a map. Okay. So it says back there, so he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee but he had to go through Samaria. Right, look at the map. Down at the bottom, you can see the Dead Sea, the blue bit, and just to the left of it, Jerusalem, and other things that you know about, Bethlehem, just down below it, Jericho, upright, a little bit above it, Emmaus, remember the disciples walking to Emmaus on the day of resurrection? Uh, so that's, that's Judea, the southern end of Israel. The top end, way up at the top of the map, uh, Sea of Galilee, 
Nazareth, Capernaum, Magdala, where Mary Magdalene of Magdala came from. Uh, that's all up at that end. Right. There they are circled for you. Two very distinct regions. And Jesus, on a number of occasions, moved from one to the other. But as we're told in this story, he had to go through that place, the bit in the middle called Samaria. And Laura explained to us, and I'm sure you've been around long enough to know, that this is difficult uh, for the Jews to travel through or to be part of. Or not just difficult, they really just didn't want to. They wanted nothing to do with this bit uh, of Israel. So Jesus finds a well on his journey. Oh, right there. Sychar. It's right in the middle of that region called Samaria. Now, let's go back to Jerusalem. If you wanted to go from Jerusalem up to the north end, uh, up to uh, Galilee and all of that up there, there were two roads. You can see them marked on the map, two trade routes, and they were safe and well populated, and that was the normal route. Yeah, but you can also see in the middle, uh, there's a wiggly white line goes right up the middle, and that would have been the unpopular route. Well, oh, what about going backwards? That's exactly the way Jesus went. He went that way. But here's the thing that I want to point out to you. It said he had to go through Samaria. Let me take you down a wee bit. He had to go through Samaria. Now, why did he have to go through Samaria? Nobody else would have gone through Samaria. As well as loving a wee map, I love a Greek word. So is that okay? You're happy with a wee Greek word? There it is there. And it sounds like day, but and it maybe it does sound like that. But it's a Greek word. It's not the Latin word day. And it's a little word. And uh, sorry, I just screenshot the, uh, the Google uh, Greek dictionary that I use, and this little word means it is necessary, or there is need of, or it behoves. There's an old word, isn't it? Or it's right and proper. And it's, it's necessary, the necessity lying in the nature of the thing. Necessity brought on by circumstances or by the conduct of others towards us, or necessity in reference to what is required to attain some end, to achieve something. He had to go through Samaria. What might he have been trying to achieve by this? Wow. Now, my Google Online Greek Dictionary also has lots of other wee bits to it as well. And it tells you how many times the word is used in different parts of the Bible. So you can see that wee word, and we're in John's Gospel here. We're in John chapter 4. So it's used 10 times in John's Gospel. I'm going to read you them. And I want you to look for something. John chapter 3. Oh, would you count them? Would you count them? So this is number one. Do not be amazed that I say to you, you must be born again. John three fourteen. Just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. John three thirty. Jesus must become more important while I become less important. John the Baptist said that. John 4, the place where people must worship is in Jerusalem. 
John, another verse in John 4, God is spirit. The people must worship in spirit and truth. John 9, we must perform the deeds of the one who sent me. John 10, I have other sheep. I must bring them as well. John 12, when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. And the crowd responded, how can you say the Son of Man must be lifted up? John 20, the scripture said that Jesus must rise from the dead. How many have we had? Nine. The tenth one. He had to go through Samaria. He must go through Samaria. And in every one of those, the must, the thing that had to happen, was so that the will of God could be worked out. John uses that little word ten times. And in every single one of them, it's so that the will of God is worked out. He must rise from the dead. You must be born again. He must increase. I must decrease. Okay, so what is going on here that is the will of God that he must go through Samaria? Well, at a very simple, straightforward level, he can't be the savior of the world if he doesn't go through Samaria. If he's only going to be the savior of the Jews, then we're all lost. If he's only going to stick to his own place and his own kind, then he can't be the savior of the world. He has to demonstrate. He has to respond to his father's heart. He has to go and that's why you see Jesus talking to women, uh, talking to women who were unclean, uh, talking to men who were unclean through leprosy, talking to centurions, uh, talking to tax collectors, talking to drunkards, uh, all sorts of things. Because he has to do this. That little word dei applies to so much of what Jesus has to do. Now, do you remember remember a few years ago being told, you have to start bringing these to Tesco with you? Yeah, because we're not going to give you bags anymore or we're going to charge you for them. And I remember, were you like me, the nuisance of this? I now have about 350 of these. <laughs> I buy one every week. <laughs> okay. More of, we've grown potatoes in these and all sorts of things. We have so many of them now. But the nuisance of, what do you mean I have to do it? And you remember even before that, long before that, you have to clunk click every trip. You have to put on your seatbelt. Oh, I have to do it. And of course, when, when we get over the thought of somebody telling us you have to do something, and you begin to realize, actually, there, there's probably a good reason for some of this, uh, that all doing this, and this bag symbolizes things that we all have to do these days. In fact, things we must do these days if we're going to save this wee planet we live on. And this is just a symbol of it. But do you remember as well? Do you remember being told you must wear one of those? Oh. Now, in actual fact, I don't know about you. I was so terrified I had no problem putting one of those on. Uh, because the thought of, I only put it on to save all your lives. Okay, yeah. I put it on to save my life. Uh, because we thought for a wee while that if we didn't wear these things, the consequences were unknown. 
the thought of being told you have to do something doesn't sit easily with us. So could I just say to you, and I want to say this as gently as possible, that in the century that we're living in and the culture we're now living in, if the church does not learn how to go through Samaria, it isn't going to last. Right? We're doing okay. Lots of churches are clinging to life. And that's not, I'm not trying to put them down in any way at all. We're part of all of this. They're part of our big church called the Church of Ireland, part of the body of Christ across this nation, across the UK, across Europe. We have to go through Samaria. And we don't like the thought of that. What do you mean you have to go through? You mean we have to get used to people who are not like us? Yes. We have to go to other places other than where we do what we do? Yes. We might have to meet more people? Yes. We might, it might be uncomfortable? Yes. But the church in our day and in the present generations, the, the generations that are out in our other rooms at the minute, are going to grow up in a very different world from us. And they, as the church coming after what's in here, are going to have to learn to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down to the well. It was about noon. I was quite struck by that. That the Son of God is tired. It's been a long journey. The last thing he needs is another mission in Samaria, or a mission in Samaria, because he hasn't been here before. And I'm going to interpret something into this that it doesn't actually say, but I could imagine it happening. That Jesus, it says the disciples went into the town to try to buy some food. I have a wee feeling Jesus just wanted rid of them as well. He wanted a bit of peace and quiet. He sat down by the well, and it was about noon, Okay. As soon as you know who, right. No, let me read it and then I'll let you shout out the last line. Okay. The Japanese don't care to. The Chinese won't, wouldn't dare to. Hindus and Argentines sleep firmly from 12 to 1. But Englishmen detest a siesta. In the Philippines, there are lovely screens to protect you from the glare. In the Malay states, there are hats like plates, which the Britishers won't wear. At 12 noon, the natives swoon and no further work is done, but mad dogs and Englishmen go out in the midday sun. Uh, Noel Card, and I'm not sure if that's all racist or not. <laughs> I don't know. But anyway, uh, it's the point is, it was about noon, which is what makes me think Jesus was looking for peace and quiet, because nobody comes to the well at noon. It's far, far too hot. So he's thinking, well, I'm thinking he's thinking, oh, peace and quiet, just leave me alone for a wee while. And here's our bishop saying to us, we need to get mission focused. And he's just absolutely right in that. And therefore, after the last two, three, four years or whatever we've had, the thought of trying to gear ourselves up to become more mission focused 
you not just let us get on with meeting our budget and sorting out a few other things and painting the outside of the window frames? Sorry, we must go through Samaria. It was about noon. Now, in case you're terrified at the thought of what on earth might this mean, could I really encourage you? Jesus was sitting there, minding his own business. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? Now, it wasn't a clever line to get into a mission situation with her. He was thirsty, wanted a drink. His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. And Jesus just simply engaged with this moment in a natural and easy and straightforward way. He didn't start hunting in his pockets for leaflets to give out uh, for, or patterns that he'd been trained in or anything else. He just started to talk. Will you give me a drink? So, in Community Week, here's the sorts of things we're planning to do. We're planning to see if we as a group of people, and I mean, all of you live outside of church, right? You're used to being outside of church, aren't you? That's where you go as soon as you've had your coffee today. Uh, you go away from it. Uh, so what we're hoping to do is just organize some things that maybe we could do together and some things that we can do on our own that just simply get us out of church, get us to the well, whatever the well is, where other people already go. So there's going to be, uh, there'll be challenges of things that you can do on your own during the week. There are places you could go. There's a, a play park in this parish that is fantastic. Uh, and you may not even know it's there, but you already take children to play parks, so why not take them to the one in our parish? Uh, there are places you can see. Uh, the primary school is going to open up for us and let us come down and have a walk around it. The hub is going to open up for us one night and let us come and see what's in it. Um, the men's shed is having an open day, which happens to land in our week. Uh, for us to go down, well, we can go down and see what's in it. Uh, there are going to be things you can do on your own, places you can walk, things you can look for. And even next Sunday, we're hoping to have straight after we've had our coffee, and not all doing it together by any means, but we're going to have a scavenger hunt. That'll take about 30 minutes, starting from here and ending with a lollipop in the spa. Yeah? And if you make it to the spa, you'll be given a token on the way in so you don't even have to buy your lollipop. <laughs> what? Okay, so it's not in the spar. <laughs> okay. You're not supposed to know where you're getting your lollipop. Oops. You have to follow the instructions. Oh, now, hey, I've just thought, you know what, you love, you go straight to the spar. <laughs> oh, oh you, you have to have your answers to get your lollipop. Okay, so you can't cheat unless you, you mug a child on the way past and take their sheet off them. Anyway, something for us to begin to do. That, I remember the boots on the ground thing, just the idea of a physical presence just to get us out of this space and into that space. Just see what it looks like and discover that it's not unlike where we all spend our time in all our spaces. Uh, but it's like it's the beginning of let's go through Samaria, see what it's like. And of course, Samaria when they eventually, because after the day of Pentecost, they were told Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, 
and then the ends of the earth. And they discovered Samaria was just like Judea, just like Galilee. Uh, but they needed to have the courage to start thinking, we must go. So I want to encourage you uh, to not feel under pressure that if you feel like, I'm just done, I just don't know how I fit anything else in, uh, to just stop and think, is there something I could do? Could I rearrange and be part of some part of this? And next week you'll get, it'll all come out in the email as well and be, uh, you can find it digitally and everything else, of little things that maybe I could do that. Maybe I could buy my toilet rolls in the parish uh, rather than go to Sainsbury's. So we sense of God nudging not just Beaver Parish, but the Church of Ireland nudging the body of Christ across our nation. Uh, you, need, you need to start thinking in other ways. Lord, as we wait for this Pentecost coming next Sunday, would you raise our sense of expectation of what you're saying to your church in these days? In a world that seems full of turmoil and full of change, uh, when maybe all we want is just a bit of peace and quiet, Lord, would you stir in us again the things that you're waiting for? Would you help us to respond another little bit? <laughs>